What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. All right, our guest now is Grant Hill. Uh, for, played 18 seasons in the NBA. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. On two national championships at uh, at Yale, right? You played at Yale? Yale? No, no, my dad. Oh, that's right. That's right. You played at Duke. He's trying, he's trying to be funny now. I try, I try to be funny. It, it, it didn't work. Oh, he's trying to be funny. I, was, okay. I, I, I didn't know if he was just a diehard Cowboys fan. No, 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 no. His dad, right. of course, Calvin Hill, played for the Cowboys and went to Yale. Grant, don't worry. We, we try very hard ourselves to figure out when he is actually trying to be funny and even harder to try and find out if he is actually funny. But and, we'll and, let him go ahead. And, and Grant, although, although you're Calvin's son, tell us. Who named you? Who came up with the name Grant for you? Yeah, no, nah, it's, a, it's a good story. So, um, my, you know, I was born in Dallas, like, like you said, and, and my dad was expecting uh, a girl. Uh, I don't know if he really wanted a girl or he wanted a boy and didn't want to get his hopes up. But anyway, regardless, he was expecting a, a girl and had a number of girls' names picked out. And so, obviously, uh, he was surprised, and my father is very thoughtful and very deliberate and takes him uh, forever to make a decision. So for two or three days uh, in the hospital, Presbyterian Hospital, which I don't think is, I think it's no longer there in Dallas, but I was Baby Boy Hill, and uh, not until Roger Starback, who was obviously my dad's teammate, and... uh, uh, he and his wife were very close with my parents, and still are. Uh, came by the hospital and uh, said, "Look, you know, we, we got to name this child. He can't, you know, he can't go on in life with the name Baby Boy Hill." So, um, basically, Grant was uh, is my paternal uh, grand grandmother's uh, maiden name, and uh, Grant was my dad's middle name, and uh, so just sort of a way to pay homage to my grandmother. And uh, so uh, Mr. Starback uh, is responsible. And, you know, it's funny. Growing up, I, I was born in Dallas, but I grew up in D.C. And uh, so we moved from Dallas when I was two and moved to D.C. when I was four. So, you know, I, I never quite knew if that story was true or not. My parents told me that. But um, I, I had a chance in high school to see Roger Starback and, and confirm and, and get the story verified. So it is verified. <laughs> We'd hate to be calling you Baby Boy Hill today. That would, that would be that would be bad. You know, I don't know. It might have helped me with uh, the NBA. You know, <laughs> good marketing, good branding. That's good. That's a good point. Maybe so. Maybe so. Speaking of the NBA, Grant, we, we're we're seeing the Mavericks now off to an zero and three start, um, and in which Dirk now has, has not been playing, and they're trying to get uh, some guys acclimated. And I guess if you're going to look on the bright side of what the Mavericks have done so far is that Harrison Barnes, after a terrible, terrible preseason in which he shot less than 30% from the field, has all of a sudden uh, turned into not only the player that the Mavericks were expecting, and uh, he only had 10 points last night, 
but uh, but he has really put up a lot of points so far. He's I think he's so far been better than what they they were hoping he could be. Yeah, I mean Harrison Barnes is a young man that has you know a lot of potential and you know kind of fell into a role in Golden State um, and was sort of you know a, a, a complimentary guy in, in, on that team. Uh, so you know I felt I always felt he had talent and it was just a matter of him. Uh, going to a new surroundings and getting comfortable with, uh, with what's expected of him. And so uh, he did struggle in the preseason. Um, but, you know, if there's any, um, you know, anything, any signs of encouragement or silver lining uh, as a result of their play as of late, is then his play. And as Dirk, you know, gets healthy and uh, gets back into the mix, um, you, know, you know, have a chance to, to at least improve upon uh, their play thus far is definitely tough when, when Dirk's not there. But uh, Harrison Barnes, I think, will have a chance to showcase what he's really about. And uh, he has done that thus far early going. Uh, too bad for the Mavs, though, that they haven't uh, you know, they haven't had a, a chance to win. Um, you know, these games had a close one in Houston uh, last night. But um, Harrison Barnes playing and sort of getting to that point where he's realizing his potential with a healthy Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, you, you have to think that combination they'll win some games down the road here. One of the things I thought was interesting about uh, when Harrison is, you, if you talk to Andrew Bogut about him, and, and, and Andrew, they were they had developed a very close relationship uh, at Golden State. They lockered next to each other, and, and they got along very well. But when asked the other day, uh, when Bogut was asked what he liked best about Harrison Barnes uh, and why do you believe in him, he said because he's such a hard worker. He, he talked about how he was he's the first guy there, he's the last guy to leave. And when Dirk Nowitzki is one of your teammates, that's a hard thing to do, uh, to, to beat him to the gym and to, and to leave after he does. So I, I would think that that probably bodes pretty well for him as well, doesn't it? Without a doubt. I mean, he, he's a worker, he's a grinder, uh, he's a guy that, you know, loves the game, you know, you, you want that from your guys, you know, guys that love to work, you know, guys that are willing to put the work in. Uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, love the game and love the glory, but aren't, you know, willing to be passionate about the time necessary to be successful, the time when no one's watching. And uh, so, you know, it doesn't surprise me. I've heard that, those things before about Harrison. And it doesn't surprise me he's putting more work in than Dirk. At this point in Dirk's career, he, he, he's got to be smart. You know, he can't be the first one there and the last one to leave. I mean, he, he can't, you know, sort of put the effort and the time in. Uh, he's got to be efficient and got to get his work done. But as someone who played, you know, up until I was 40, it's about managing your body throughout the course of the season. And so uh, Dirk has put that time in and put the, the, uh, the work in. And now he's just got to fine-tune it throughout the season. But... Uh, Harrison is sort of maybe a, a passing of the torch in that area, uh, and maybe maybe in, on the court as well in terms of his production. If he can continue to play well, uh, that's great and very promising for the for the franchise. So, it, given the state of the franchise, Grant, it, this team seems to me to be kind of stuck in that cycle that you know so many NBA teams get stuck in where where they're just basically in the 6, 7, 8 type seeding cycle. They're going to win between 45 and 50 games and they're going to draw one of the powerhouses of the West in the first round. Uh, is, is that what you see for the Mavericks or what's your best case scenario for them? 
Yeah, you know, best case scenario, I think, um, you know, I think they can squeeze into the playoffs and uh, and be a team, you know, eighth, sixth, seventh, eighth seed um, that you know will probably uh, not fare so well, um, you know, against some of the stronger teams in the West. I just, you know, I like the pieces they have. I just don't know if they're good enough to be a, a second round or a Western Conference. Uh, type team, um, you know, Dirk is still effective, uh, but he's getting up there, and, and I don't think can play at that level. Still play at a great level, um, but they're just kind of where they've been in the last three or four years, and um, you know, and so it's um, sometimes there's a school of thought that um, when you're in that situation, you have to, you know, you have to blow things up and start over, or maybe pivot. And make some changes, um, maybe change Dirk. I know it's sort of sacrilegious to say, but it may not happen until Dirk moves on, uh, or it may happen. I mean, who knows? Maybe this team can right the ship and, and put on a nice run and go far into the playoffs. But just from what I've seen of this team and the players on the team in the last few years and this current team and how they started, uh, obviously without Dirk, I just I, I don't see them. I think their ceiling is a first round exit in the playoffs. When you watch, uh, uh, now, West- I say that I say that I say that knowing that I've been wrong before. Yeah, we've all been wrong a couple of times. Probably this morning, I think, uh, a couple of times. You watched Wesley Matthews play last year, and clearly he was still recovering from his Achilles injury. Uh, the thing that it seemed to affect the most, if it did, uh, was his, his three-point shooting, and, and he struggled mightily with that. Against the uh, Rockets, uh, you know, in that loss, that 93-92 loss, he was 3 of 15 from the field from three-point range, which is not good. Uh, so – I wanted to ask you, as as a as a guy who was a pretty good shooter, how does an injury like that affect you long term, and and what are the prospects for him getting that righted? Well, you know, I think I think you know when you have an injury uh, that's as devastating as what he has. Uh, in theory, I've felt uh, that your first year back is just about getting back, regaining that trust in your body. And, and regaining the confidence uh, in your ability to, to, to get back and play. And usually that second season is where you, um, you take a big jump, and I expect that from uh, Wesley Matthews. I, I will say, though, that Matthews, to me, is the kind of player that benefits playing with another great player. And he did that, uh, you know, he did that in Portland, playing with Aldridge and Damon Lillard. Um, you know, he uh, he got a lot of open looks and uh, double teams that were forced, and he got a lot of open looks. I- I'm not sure he's getting those same open looks with uh, Dirk Nowitzki not on the court. So I think Dirk back, even though he's up there in age, he still commands uh, a high level of respect, and I think that will allow everybody to sort of go into their normal roles. Uh, and so Wesley Matthews, I mean, I don't know his injury situation. I don't, you know, obviously he had, a, it seems like he had an Achilles tear, which is different than what I had. But, you know, if your wheels aren't right, it affects everything you do on the court, you know. And um, certainly uh, shooting uh, is one of those. So he's a great player. He's mentally tough. You know, if he's healthy, uh, I think he will get back to being one of the, the top shooters spot-up shooters uh, in the NBA. 
but I think it'll help with having a guy who can create a double team, create mismatches, and Dirk Nowitzki uh, having him on the floor. So if, if you had to pick one of the Mavericks to be the, the key player this year, the, the question of whether they are a playoff team or not, um, I mean, going into the season, I was going to say it was was a Wesley Matthews because if he if he could regain his shot, he's a very he's a very good defensive player and he's a real leader on this team. I thought that was an interesting thing for me last year was to watch him kind of uh, exert that role on the team. You know, that's always been a question about the Mavericks sometimes about the grittiness of the team and and. Uh, that's what Tyson Chandler brought when they won the championship and, and, and guys like Jason Kidd did as well and Deshaun Stevenson and, and all those players. And then in the season since, they've, they've, they've kind of had that hit-and-miss uh, element to it. Uh, but it seemed to me that Wes Matthews was the, the one guy that if he could get back his shot and continue to maintain that type of defensive pressure uh, and, and leadership on the team – that, that he could make a difference. Do you, do you have a guy on this Mavericks team that you think is the key player? Well, you know, I mean, I, I think the, the league that we're in, and when you think about the league and, and the style of play, um, you know, it, it's, it's a point guard-driven league. And, um, you know, I think, I really think Darren Williams. You know, I think Darren Williams, I mean, you know, I, I think he makes a great argument for Wesley Matthews. And, and I love when he's right and he's healthy, everything that he does. Um, but, I mean, to me, you're going, you know, it's, it's a league now that it's all about the point guard. The point guard dominates the ball. And you can't win and have great success without great guard play. And and so I don't think Darren Williams has to be great. I don't think he has to be Utah Darren Williams, but I think he has to be good. He has to be solid. Um, he's got to be able to score and facilitate. Uh, and, and do everything that, that Rick Carlisle asks of him. So if he can have uh, a good season and he can um, be a shell of himself from years past, then I think there's a chance that they can realize their potential this season. Grant, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, it was a real treat to have a uh, – by the way, Presbyterian Hospital, I believe, is still open. It has a different name now. But uh, next time you're back in Dallas, you go up to Walnut Hill – and uh, and visit it. Thanks so much for being with us. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Grant. Thanks, Grant. That's Grant Hill, who's a, a TBS, a Turner, TNT, actually TNT, uh, a broadcaster, does a great job uh, sitting courtside and analyzing games. Uh, I'd like to thank Grant for being on with us, and we have Mark Followell, I think, uh, standing in the wings to come on with us next. Does he, is he really? Is he coming on? Is he ready? I'm gonna. Well, I will try calling him. We've just changed producers. We've gone from the second string to the first string in, in producers. Doug's, Attaboy, Doug. Doug. Doug's in here. We got rid of Tommy. Now we got Doug. This All is right. This is going to be so much better in freewheeling. We're, we're hoping maybe in this, this segment of the Mavs podcast that when Evan yawns on the air that he will at least pull away from the microphone when he does so. <laughs> Evan is just so brokenhearted that we're not doing a Ranger podcast this week. Yes. He can barely contain himself. Yeah. All right, sure. all right let's, let's move on. Let's get Mark Followell on the line. And coming up in a couple of seconds, we'll have Mark Followell. We are now joined by the voice of the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Followell. Mark, it's great to have you on my podcast. It's not your podcast, Evan. <laughs> wow. One day you're getting... so easily baited, Barry. What a, what, what a start. One what a day start. I'm going to wow. sneak that right by him. Yeah. Welcome to our little podcast, Mark. It's good to have you. 
good to be with you guys is uh, we don't have Kevin today. Kevin's taking the day off. <laughs> no, He's here. I'm here. They don't, they don't let me talk, Mark. He's just laying out. <laughs> He's just laying out. Mark. Well, it's good to talk to all three of you. You know that. And uh, I'm glad. I mean, Evan is always like usually uh, off reviewing a restaurant on a baseball road trip whenever I talk to Barry and to Kevin. So it's a pleasure That's to have true. Evan around. Mark, yeah. I, I know you can't stay with us very long. You have to go do the voice of God in some movie. No, man. I have I, all day for you guys. All day. Listen to this voice. Evan, if you had a voice like that, you'd be a baseball, uh, a mediocre baseball writer. Not a mediocre, I'm sorry. With a great voice. With a great voice. Yeah. Wow, that was a shock. I didn't mean mediocre. I didn't mean mediocre. Are you saying Ben Scully he's not? Is that what you would be saying, Barry? Yeah. This is the guy who's famous on this podcast for going, no! Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's true. Let's let's talk real basketball here. So that just means that uh, that Evan's going to lay out like he did on the last section. <laughs> Pretty much. What he did with, uh, with Grant Hill. Um, so, Mark, the Mavericks are 0-3. Is it time to push the yeah. panic button? Well, I don't think it's time to push the panic button. Um, you know, I did look and see. I was curious, and I think I might have mentioned it on the telecast last night. Forgive me, maybe I didn't, but I'll tell you guys. And that's, then this doesn't mean that I think it's necessarily going to play out this way, but I would just offer that Houston started 0-3, so did Charlotte, and so did Indiana last year, and all made the playoffs. So I don't think it's time to push the panic button. And, and, and you know what? The thing about it is, is to me, and I have really – and I kind of hope that other fans are, too. I have really managed my expectations about this year. And I guess compared to some past seasons, what would make it a successful year for me, I look at it a little bit differently because I feel like that this is a real crossroads time for the franchise. They have more 26-year-old and younger players on the team to start a season than they've had since 2005. And while I want the team to be as good as they possibly can be, and obviously you're competing and you're trying to win games and be as good as you can, but I also am very excited about the opportunity to see what you have and give opportunities to younger players like Barnes and see what's going to happen when he is on a bigger stage with more responsibility and Justin Anderson with more responsibility and Dwight Powell and Seth Curry and, and down on the list. So. So I want the team to be as good as they can be. I still think they can be very good. Obviously, playing without Dirk for, the, for two of the three games has been an issue, and, and who knows what they would or wouldn't have won had he played. But, but I'm certainly not in panic mode, and I certainly have, I feel like, reasonable expectations about other things that can transpire this year besides the wins and losses that can still make this season interesting and worthwhile. Well, I, you know, there's, if there's a phrase that, that makes me – a little bit nervous if I'm a Mavs fan is the idea of managing expectations. But I, I, I think it's realistic here, and, and it brings me to the question that I asked Grant Hill, and that is, you know, are, are, is this team now stuck in that cycle of six, seven, eight seed finishes? Is there hope for making a bigger leap, or is the only way to make a bigger leap to take a bigger step backwards? No, I think the hope in making a bigger leap lies in the opportunities that you're giving players that are younger, that are in their mid to early 20s, and then continuing to add the right pieces around them going forward. So, I mean, there are teams that have fared well over the last few years, Evan, without ever going all the way down to be in a position to be picking one or two or three or four or something like that. I mean, there are players who, who had a bump of the road for a year and dropped down and got a player around nine or ten, 
and that player, you know, for example, look at Indiana, and, and granted, um, you know, an injury was part of it, but, but you had the Carlisle years where Indiana was good, but they never went really, really bottom. Right. They had a year or two out of the playoffs, and they got a player like Paul George whenever they had a lottery pick at 10, and then they rebuilt themselves into a Eastern Conference finalist two different times, and then Paul George has that gruesome leg break while he's playing one summer for Team USA, and they have a bad year, but they didn't bottom out. They had they had one year where they went down, and I think they picked 11th, so they were barely out of the playoffs. And then they've got a guy who looks to me, based on what I saw last week against the Mavs, like a future star in Miles Turner, and they picked him at 11. So I don't think that you have to bottom out, because to me, the only thing of tearing it down and committing to losing games, the only thing that, that guarantees you is you're going to lose games to get a high draft pick. It doesn't mean that that high draft pick is going to be the kind of player that, that turns out. So it, it, so the hope, the hope for me lies in opportunities for mid-20s age players to continue to get better and then to continue to add through free agency and drafting and trading other players around them that can be important pieces to the puzzle and whatever the franchise is going to look like uh, in the next few years as we transition into the post-Dirk era. You know, just as an aside, and I am the king of asides here, uh, I, re- I remember when Miles Turner was, st- was still in high school here in, in the Dallas area, and I talked to a, a college uh, expert, quote-unquote expert, who told me he would never make it at the University of Texas. So, well, but he didn't make it there very long. Well, Maybe that's what he meant. No, no, I think he meant that he thought he was injury, too injury-prone, he had bad some, mm-hmm. bad leg or bad ankle or bad something, and he, and he would never be a force. And now I watched that game. And and he was he was he he was a three point, he was a three point shooting machine in that game. See, I think yeah. I think what 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 Mark brings up here that that we kind of skated through is that I think is the the most fascinating thing about the prospects for the Mavericks is that what what you're saying is is that this can be a, a team that could could battle for a playoff spot whether it gets it whether it, whether it doesn't doesn't really matter because I don't think that sells with fans anyway if you sell if you're trying to sell to fans that okay we'll get the eighth seed and then we'll get blown out in the first round nobody really cares about that right what they want to see is that there's a future for this team and it's going to be more mm-hmm. than just we're going to spill the jigsaw puzzle out on the floor and let Rick Carlisle put it back together again every year and and I think that's to me so far now he didn't have a great game last night he just had 10 points it is Harrison Barnes you know from what we I was at the Olympics and I saw him there uh, the, the you didn't see him play there did you well I asked yeah. the question at the, at but, hey, the I mean, every, but, but as you know Kevin every great team has to have a 12th man oh absolutely and, and that was him. absolutely sure, sure I asked the him. unfortunate question of, of coach K at the press conference which was an ender uh, I, said, I, I said pardon the local angle but uh, is, is it just a matter of numbers here for Harrison Barnes and, and coach K did not like answering that question what did uh, he say no, he just said that uh, he's got a role with the team, and that's basically the twelfth man. All right, but, but, my, but my point well, is, did he say? Did he say he's a North Carolina guy, and so I'm just not going to play? Yeah, you know, basically, that's what <laughs> there was a that? there was a lot of that conspiracy theory out there, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but but the point was, he did not get to play. Then, even when he did get to play, he didn't play very well. He looked terrible in the preseason, and then he comes out in the first two games and just lights it up, and he just lights out. So to me, but a week was, ago was you he, were talking buyer's remorse, and now you're talking about him being lights out. That was before he played, Evan. But it's three games. The point is, is that he played very well in those first two games. I wanted to ask you oh, because you're him. an expert. He hit him, and Evan knows nothing about the NBA, but he's going to make this point anyway. Is that is is it possible that we that you could see more from Harrison Barnes this year than what you expected? 
Well, absolutely it's possible. I mean, I think that Evan, Evan is a baseball guy, <laughs> understands this, and, and you guys understand this too. I mean, I, I know that, that uh, you couldn't have had that much buyer's remorse based on the preseason, but, but I, I think the, the, the two good games that he had, that's awesome. You know, last night's game wasn't very, wasn't terribly good. I think he ended up with ten points and five or six rebounds. But played, you know, some solid defense, um, and along with Wesley Matthews. I mean, all those guys really played hard on the defensive end of the floor last night. But to me, the the important thing to remember is with Barnes in this particular case, and many other players in the NBA, and, and like this would be applicable to baseball as well. You're never as good or bad as your last game, and there's so many games in basketball and baseball that you play over a course of a season. That would be you couldn't do a player more injustice than than changing your opinion with them based on the fact that they scored 31 one night or 10 the next. I mean, this is a long range, long road process, uh, if I may use a Jason Garrett favorite word, but there is legitimacy to using that word and thinking like that. So, so that's where my head is on Barnes. Is I'm I'm very happy that he played great in the first two games, but I understand that there's also probably going to be some rough nights and some rough patches and some some really very good games still to come and, and, you know, some games that the stat line's not going to be overwhelming. But if it's a means to an end where he grows into being a better player with more responsibility and is able to step up his game and be a big fixture in the future, then that's fine. Then I understand that there's going to be in that first year an adjustment process that's going to take some time. Well, I would make you... this comparison. Let me make this comparison and, I'll, and we'll move on to the next thing. Go look at Gordon Hayward, and I know they're a little bit different kind of players, but look at Gordon Hayward. And Gordon, Gordon Hayward, excuse me, spent two or three years as the third, fourth option when Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap were on some okay Utah teams. Right. And then those players left. Utah decided to start going in a different direction, and they had a year where their, their record was not very good. They made Hayward the number one guy, and all of his shooting percentage numbers had a significant drop-off from what they were before. But after a year of adjusting to what life was like as a one or two option, then he's built himself back up into a much more efficient player and, and uh, I mean, quite frankly, a very, very good player. Uh, some people would say, had he been healthy at the start of this year, that maybe borderline all-star going into the year. So I think that we might have a lengthy adjustment process for Barnes. Now, it hasn't shown up in the stats in the first three games because he had two really good games and made the big shot in Indiana and then had a career high against Houston on Friday. But I just I think that... We have to take the long-range view of Barnes and not get too high with a high in the first week or low with a low. And I I would quote another baseball saying to you is the small sample size. And there's nothing that's a more meaningless sample size than training camp. Uh, And there's nothing that's that's really indicative about the first week of the season. I I think what Mark has said here is that you are talking about one of these 26-year-olds, one of these younger guys who – has ability and who has the ability to make this team better, but certainly there is he's he's taking on a bigger role here. There is an adjustment to a new team and a new system and new chemistry, and I do expect that you're going to see one night that the guy looks really good, and the next night he's going to look poor. I think, but but here's the point: is that this this what was expected of him? I think everybody said, "Oh, you you overpaid him. He's getting ninety four million dollars. You, you you've overpaid this guy. Of course, you you had to because this is this this is the going cost. You got to do this. But he's really a thirteen fourteen point guy. He's a he's a poor man's you know Chandler Parsons. Blah blah blah. There was no one feeling any good at all about this guy coming into this season. 
on the outside. Now, maybe the Mavericks are feeling better about it. But, it, it, yes, it's a small sample but maybe size. they're looking more along the lines of 17-18 than they are what he's going to do in 16-17. Oh, absolutely. But what I'm saying is is that it's a small sample size, but, but 31 points is pretty good. Making, yes, making that three-point three shot to win that game, that's pretty good. That's those, a good game. Those are things that, that I was not expecting to see from him this early. I, I, three-point shot to put the game in overtime. Overtime, that's what I tried. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing I like, too, is that, that besides points and whatever they are you know, is, is great. That's a good thing. Uh, but there's defense. Yes. There's an acceptable level of rebounding. There's durability, uh, because I've heard, you know, Bob Sturm, when, when he writes things for the morning news and talks oh, about the radio Sturm. show. Oh, we hate Sturm. Don't, don't, come on, don't bring him in here. But, but he, does, he does say this one really important thing, which is, and, and, and a lot of the times he applies it to football, but one of the most important abilities in sports is availability. And, yes. I mean, with no offense to anybody who has been here in the past, but, but you know, in Barnes' case, other than getting, uh, I think, a, an ankle sprain that cost him about a month of last season, four years into his career, I mean, one thing you can certainly say about Barnes is that he's proven to be a very durable player who can hand up, handle the physical test and rigors of a long NBA season. Yeah, so I, 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 I agree with all that. I, I just, I'm just saying that, that the fact that the guy is very young, the fact that the guy does have some, obviously has some all-around ability, and the fact that the guy, as Andrew Bogut said the other day, is a very hard worker. First guy to the yeah. air. Yeah, and Dirk said that too, and nobody knows hard workers more than Dirk, right? Yes, absolutely. So to me, those are all things that bode well, and that's what I want to see from this team is that the, the young guys are getting a chance, as you said, and they're playing. And whether they get that eighth seed or not, I don't really care. I, I would rather see them building something toward the future. Now the, now, the question of that for me is, will all these guys be there because we're hearing rumblings about a potential trade for, say, a DeMarcus Cousins at some point this season? But you're, you're – you're, I mean – What's that? Let's let's get Mark's thoughts on that first. But Kevin, about about you, what do you think about a potential trade for Kevin, Demarcus Cousins? He's going to walk out of here black and blue. I'm I'm really worried about it. <laughs> Kevin, we Kevin is throwing jabs and punches at Evan. It's but unbelievable. You, you, I, I'm I would, sure. it would it would it would surprise me if there's any legs to that. Yeah, yeah. is that right? And then and I would say and here's why I would say I would also be surprised about it is, is that. Everybody wants DeMarcus Cousins. Why, why would and, and so I, I don't see the package that the Mavericks could put together to really entice Sacramento to make that deal. Yeah, I mean, as far as trades go, to me, I am if I am the Mavs, because of what happened with Lamar Odom and what happened with Rondo, I am being super duper selective about that avenue, especially if it's going to involve giving up young players and draft picks, and obviously it would, and he's a great player, and that would be a person that I would, you would be an idiot not to listen to if somebody called you about him, but if I were the Mavs, who had a great run of trades for many, many years, and then here in the last few years, the Odom trade and the Rondo trade have both you know, been incredible disappointments. Disasters. I, I would be very, very careful about any sort of trade waters that I waded out into. Because that would cost you Justin Anderson. That would cost you, uh, you know, um, draft picks. That would cost you, um, and, I, and I'm sure they would want you to take Rudy Gay's contract in that type of deal, mm-hmm. too. Uh, there, there would be, you would kind of be breaking it down and almost starting all over again with that, with that kind of trade. 
Yeah, and 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 maybe you're hearing things out there that I that I'm not, but but I feel like at least right now that the season has started. That I think that everyone is kind of settled, every, not just the Mavs obviously, but everyone around the league and Sacramento included. They've at least settled into a stretch of time right now where they're going to evaluate what they have. I mean, keep in mind that that not saying that it couldn't happen with anyone, but but trade opportunities are a little limited right now. There's a significant percentage of players in the league that can't even be traded. That just signed as free agents this past right. season. Right, it, it would have players to be. Aren't even eligible to be traded until December the fifteenth. So Correct. We're, we're kind Correct. of in a mode right now where, you know, not everything is for sale because you can't sell it. So I think everybody's just going to to spend like they do pretty much every year. You spend the first six weeks of the season seeing what you have. Rare is it that you see a mega deal in the first portion of the season before at least you get to December fifteenth. Mark, thank you very much for that. Kevin, um, why did the surprise managing expectations make you nervous earlier? By the way, uh, I, because I just that. think it. I I think from and I, I say that because I know what my feedback has been when I've talked about managing expectations uh, in relations to fans, and they don't look. They don't at want to hear about it. Yeah, they they want to expect championships. You know that that's what they want, and you and I both know that championships are are, are hard to win. That's the bottom line, and and yeah, of course. I, I think we just do live in an era where fans don't want to. They don't want to hear about the realities of of what a team situation is. And and I I think you know if you apply the baseball formula to to the basketball formula, it's a very difficult thing to do is to continue to try and 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 contend or play good basketball in some respect and restock. It's a really delicate line, mm-hmm. and I just yeah. think that fans here. Should be more accepting of the idea that that this team will probably have to get worse before it gets better. Uh, Barry, I think would like but to you, say you know, something. The thing about it is, Evan, is that uh, and, and Barry and Kevin, you guys know this. I mean, it is there's a reason why the list of teams that are in the Mavericks situation of making the playoffs 15 times in 16 years is very short. Right. It's a hard thing to do to stay competitive for that amount of time. Obviously, the franchise is moving into a transitionary phase with the, the final years of Dirk at hand and, and definitely getting younger. Uh, to me, there is joy in the process and joy in the journey. And, and look, we, uh, you will never, ever get me on this podcast or anything else to, to dismiss the idea. You know, to me, making the playoffs, there's still something to be said for that. Going through all of the ups and downs and battling to win games in the regular season, there's a lot to be said for that because we pay these people a lot of money. We keep records that for, for all time based on that. We, pay peop- we ask people to pay a lot of money to go to the games. We ask people to pay a lot of money to advertise on television broadcast on the games. And so you'll never get me to get on board with the idea that it's only about championships, that all the other things that happen over the course of the regular season aren't extremely important because they are. And you know we'll see where it, where it goes with the Mavs this year, but but uh, you know I hope that that while trying to be as good as they can be, they just find the right balance between giving opportunities to, to younger players to see what is worth keeping going forward. Absolutely. Okay, I just want to ask one question, one basketball related question. Oh, look at Kevin. You've dominated this. You, you are, us you are signaling you, for the thing to be over, been, and no, then you I would, always I, ask a question. Want, you, as you have said in your culture, that you cannot get out. No one can ever say goodbye. That you always have to ask one more question. Oh, let me ask one more question. Well, you didn't let, let me ask questions because you and Evan were battling back and forth. 
I have a question, a Maverick-related question. We haven't talked about it. I want to talk about the point guard position for a second. Because as Grant Hill talks, oh, look at you. Now you don't want to hear an NBA question. You want to go on and on and on about Harrison Barnes and, and his performance in two games. And I want to ask about the point guard. Point guard is the most important position on the court. How do, how do you think uh, Williams can stack up this year? I like how well he shoots the ball. Uh, and I think that what we have seen early in the year is that Williams' best performances have come when somebody else has been on the floor, typically J.J. Barea, to share in the ball handling and playmaking responsibilities. Because he shoots the ball so well and has the size to be able to guard bigger guards, shooting guards specifically, that he can play off the ball. So he can handle and he can create and he can make plays for other people and get his own shot. But I think that if you, when you ask him to do that, and that's the only thing that he's doing, and he only has that responsibility, and he can't give that to someone else and still be on the floor at the same time, I think that's going to be a lot more difficult transition and difficult process for him. So I like the idea of, I like what he's doing. He certainly has had some really hot stretches and some good performances this year, but, but I think that he is working really well whenever J.J., for example, comes in and plays with him. So you have... Darren with the opportunity to play off the ball and concentrate on the shooting and scoring aspects of it rather than also game management, time and score and clock management and, and you know getting other people involved and running the offense. I think that, that he is best served by having some point guard duties but also some off-the-ball responsibilities where it's looking for running him off screens, putting him in a drive-and-kick, catch-and-shoot situation. I think, I think that, that will serve him best over the course of the year. Uh, Mark, we really appreciate the time here, um, and we'd like to go on a little bit longer, but the problem is that uh, I want to kill Barry. Uh, Barry wants to kill Kevin, and Kevin apparently wants to kill both of us. So we're going to have to devote a little bit of time here to uh, what amounts to a free-for-all. Group therapy session. Yeah, there you go. But uh, I'd just like to go on record saying I think it all started with Kevin this morning at home. He had some issues at home. Oh, that is not true. That is not true. Well, I, I would never think you should bring your you should leave your your game at home and bring your other game here. So, um, well, it's a fun, hey, it's a fun time to be covering sports right now. Good, yes, the good things are happening with the Cowboys. So and the, the World Series and the baseball playoffs and the Rangers stumble, notwithstanding the playoffs have been great. So, but that was a question I alive, fellas, to don't kill each other. That uh, was a question I wanted to ask you. Were you able to keep up with anything last night during the game? Uh, the Cowboys, yes. The baseball, no. How did you manage to keep up with the Cowboys? You want to get him I fired. Looked at Twitter at every com- I looked at Twitter at every commercial break. Okay. But you weren't able yeah, to fly- keep him. I mean, our game was over with at 9.15, 9.30, whatever it was. And, I mean, by then, the Cowboy game was probably mid to late part of the third quarter. So every, every commercial break, I was yes. looking at Twitter and, and seeing and trying to absorb as much of it as I could while – figuring out what it was that we were doing on the show. And, and the being a baseball time. fan, were you bothered by the fact that you couldn't really follow that game? Um, it was disappointing, but, uh, you know, once again, to quote a phrase that's all the rage, I had to manage my own expectations of <laughs> how much I could keep up with last night. So it's like, well, I don't think I'm going to be able to stay close to the baseball, and, and hey, that was kind of unfortunate. Hey, can so, you tell us it how, is what it is. Can you tell us how Derek's daughter is doing on The Voice? How, how, how much further will she go? Does he, do you know? Uh, do you know? Well, she's had one battle 
in for Team Blake, and then she has not been featured yet, and I would assume, I guess it will happen tonight or tomorrow, she hasn't been featured in the knockout. And do, and, 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 and do, you, know, do you know what happened? No, I, I have no idea what okay, happened. Okay. I, have, I don't have the foggiest idea. Okay. I, uh, all I know is that she did, uh, you know, her, her audition, the blind audition went great. They, uh, she did a version of Jealous by Nick Jonas. And I mean, I, I hope you guys saw that. I did. Alicia Keys, Alicia Keys, and Blake Shelton, and maybe Adam turned around. I think three to four turned around. She picked uh, Blake Shelton because he did an incredible sell job. I thought. And then the one battle that she had, I don't even remember what the song was. I think it was uh, Sia, uh, but I don't even remember what the song was. And they didn't show much of her battle. It was it was not prominently featured. And then you know, so now she's in the knockouts, and hopefully. Uh, We'll see something here really soon. Well, that, that's that's a good end. That, that's a good ender for us because we could say to you, Mark, see ya. <laughs> see you. Later. All right, guys. Take care. Take care. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Bye, Mark. All right, later. Boy, he, do it again soon. See, okay, we will. He's like a right. rena- he's like a Renaissance man. He could talk about the Voice. He could talk. He's he's watching. He's doing play by play of the Maverick game. He's doing the. Uh, I don't know if I call him a Renaissance man because he watches the Voice. I, I oh, I love that show. Sure but, that. Uh, let's do a Voice podcast next. Kevin no. is Kevin's much more of a Renaissance man because he watches movies from the forties. Uh, Hitchcock I, movies. I'm not. Watching, yeah, what's wrong with that? No, it's great. It's great. Oh, or oh, or let me or let me put it this way: the Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers. Yeah. The Coen Brothers. Not Cone. Oh, it's not Cone. Right. C-O-E-N. I understand. Evan, take us out. Evan, take us out. We're over. We're over. We're, we have the... We have We have our good friend Doug's going to take us out. All right, Doug, take us out. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.